Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode, and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Dream Factory, the world's greatest user-generated movie creation podcast. The rules are simple. We can discuss as many ideas as we like, but only one will be taken to the next stage where it'll be painted green in honour of St. Patrick's Day. I'm Joel, a man who puts the tuna in fortunate, and across from me is John Harris, a man personally responsible for the croc monsieur shortage of 2007. Remember it well, remember it well. Yeah! Yeah, you ate them all. You toured the bakeries of uh, South London, hoovering up every crop monsieur you get your hands on. Delicious. National crisis. Despite my uh, French leanings, mm-hmm. you know, genetically, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't actually know much about croque monsieur. What diff- they're like a cheese on toast, but slightly creamier? Creamier with ham. Yeah. Um, you remember it well. People were driving to France and filling their boots up with croque yeah. monsieurs and, and sneaking them back across the border. Croque monsieur cruises. <laughs> yeah, let's go on a crop. It doesn't rhyme. It doesn't rhyme like a booze cruise does. Actually, on that subject, like, can I can I go straight into one? Yeah, that's what we're here for, mate. So a couple of weeks back, um, I believe you came up with in my intro the film "Beget Me Not." Yep, yep. yep. Uh, and we decided that it was part of a trilogy of films, but immediately due to our inability to improvise, we can't riff. Everything's scripted. <laughs> Absolutely everything you're hearing is scripted. Uh, we decided not to tell you the names of the future films. However, Katie has swooped in oh. and has come up with one of them. So, w- listener, if you can think of a third one in the John Harris uh, Patisserie uh, trilogy, please let us know. But this is the second film, Patisserie Loves Company. I like that. Like, Misery Loves Company, Joel. Come uh, on. I wasn't getting that. Yeah, I could see. Yeah. It's because this bit wasn't scripted. You didn't <laughs> really you just, I was like a rabbit in the headlights then. Yeah. What's um? Well, because well, well, I don't know what, even what the original there is. The baguette one was about. It was from the point of view of a baguette in a bin, and yeah, then he got yeah, mauled yeah. by a, a shrew it was a at shrew, the end. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I'm not sure. I assume it's his child is the sequel because he's dead. He's a baguette dead. Right. So a baguette had what as a child? Um, like a, a little macaron. <laughs> <laughs> Tiny little Isn't macaron. That the president. <laughs> <laughs> No, because so macaroons. <laughs> yeah, are macarons in France? I think. Oh, I don't know this. I'm I'm not I'm not well educated enough on the French patisserie world. What? Well, right, fine. He had a croissant as a child. Oh, sweet. It's better. Yeah. And so he joins a gang. 
but it's, oh, a, it's a bad gang. That is a shame. So it's like the... Uh, what are the good gangs? In the bakery Just world. generally speaking. Oh, good gang. Yeah. <laughs> like an after-school club's a good gang, isn't it? You never chess hear... You know, yeah, but they're not the chess gang, are they? Gang <laughs> is bad, club is good. Oh, God. I, I'm very Tim's joined a gang. <laughs> just like a... Just a t- chess club. <laughs> Maybe that's how we get more people into, let's say, traditionally less cool pastimes, like we'll sewing gangs. or Sewing chess. gang. Yeah. Stamp collecting gang. Yeah. Yes. I like Train that. Train spotting crew. Yeah. And then if you called... Um, if they were called, like, the blood club, as opposed to gang. And also, you wouldn't hear about club violence. <laughs> So yeah, let's just let's give it a big switcheroo because in one fell swoop you'll make uh, after school clubs cool by calling them gangs, and you will wipe out anyone's desire to be in a gang by calling it a club. Would the chess club and the sewing club then have to start having beefs? Well, like gang on gang violence. Yeah, like yeah, of course, yeah, absolutely. But entirely violence free. It's more intellectual beefs. Yeah, who would you back? Sewing club. Really. Actually, no, because if it was violent, I would, because obviously they've got the tools. Access to needles, yeah. Yeah, but then if it's intellectual-based, I'm going to stereotype and suggest that uh, chess, it's a more, it's a more, it uses your brain more than I'd su- suggest something might. Are you good at chess? Uh, no. Great chat! <sighs> That's good. Yeah, no, I can't do games of the body or mind, Joel. Wait, Just, what? <laughs> so I can't do games. Okay, okay. I will not be joining your gang. Right, would you like a film idea from me? Yes, please, Joel, thank Andy. you. Andy. Hey, Andy. Has got in touch. Manchester by the Sea Biscuit. <laughs> All right. So I... I've only seen, look, obviously I've seen the seminal classic, award-winning, incredible drama, Sea Biscuit. Yeah. We all knew where I was I haven't going. seen Manchester by the Sea. Uh, I, I think it's about um, Casey Affleck being sad. Now, how do you cheer someone up? You buy them a horse. <laughs> it's tried and tested. You can't be sad if you own a horse. I, look, I like your suggestion, but I also think we get a horse to paint the city of Manchester. So the film is oh, Manchester by the Sea. Very Biscuit. clever, very clever. Because you do get those artistic animals, don't yeah, you? Yeah, mostly elephants. Yeah, because the trunk is yeah. uh, good for holding um, a paintbrush in. Uh, I don't know how a horse would do it. A horse's mane is essentially a ready-made paintbrush. I've said that for years now, and finally <laughs> we can put that into action. Um, John, that- talk to me about your experience experience with horses minimal minimal really have you ever sat on a horse i think so as a child but i don't remember that it. Bit, or was it a donkey would it, I, no 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 i think it was a horse um the i i know that my family have had run in run, run into horses. Run in, oh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. They, on the they door. had to leave town didn't they <laughs> yeah oh, the harris is in <laughs> uh yeah because my brother uh one ran off whilst he was riding it you know like when they just and he was never seen again <laughs> I just the, no, I'm just hoping they're happy together. <laughs> <laughs> I just wish they'd write. <laughs> what, what about you, Joe? Uh, yes. Go on. I've ridden a horse. Oh. Back in the day, mate, back when I was on, um, you might remember it, student radio. I've heard of it. Um, it's, a, it's radio, but done by students, if you can imagine yeah. such a thing. I did a series of things that I'd never done before. Oh, I do know about this. Uh, and one of them was horse riding. So and was that the first time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As well, I might adult. have done it as a kid. Okay. But like in the same way that you don't remember it, I don't really remember yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and so I rode a horse and I'm quite tall, mm. about just six foot one, something like that. And there weren't any horses big enough at the stable. So they had to bring out, uh, bring a horse out of retirement for me to ride. <laughs> All right. How good is this? How poetic is this? So I competed in a thing. 
What? I competed at, um, we'll get around to that in a minute. Okay. At an event after maybe 90 minutes of practice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They brought out of retirement a horse to compete for one last time. Yeah. It was called Rocky. (gasps) How good is that? I was too much of an idiot child to appreciate how great all of this was at the time. And I feel like, you know, if I was given that opportunity now, I'd make sense of it all. Anyway, I had to ride this horse. I had like two lessons and then I thought it'd be really fun to round it off uh, an event. And I went to, what are they called? Like, um, Dressage? No, no, no. There's like a name for the day. There's like a whole name for the day. Anyway, I was at that day and there were maybe a hundred people there watching it. There was like some actual show jumping going on. My entire family came along, not to support. No, I don't want for a second anyone to assume they were there to support me. They thought it was hysterical. Okay. Um, I was in the, the entry category, obviously, like the bare minimum. Okay. So I was up first um, <laughs> in this competition. You were opening up, mate. It was me me against an eight-year-old girl. <laughs> I would have been 21 at the time, I think. Um, <laughs> she was at the floor uh, with you, I assume. She was essentially on like a Shetland pony. Um, and there was this course laid out. And, you know, great, whatever. And the woman, like, adjudicating the entire thing was like, it's really strict, like, mistrunchable German woman. Yeah. Um, and she was like, you will not get a rosette unless you jump, right? So I hadn't ever jumped, obviously. I'd yeah. ridden a horse for about 90 minutes. And so they had to create a jump at the end of the course for me to jump over. And the person who trained me, she was like, look, you're just going to have to, like, grab this horse's mane and give it a little tug when you get to the jump and hope you clear it. And I did did the course, didn't I? Did and? the jump. Did the jump, <gasps> mate. Well, I said, I did the course. Uh, first attempt, the horse just walked off. Like, I was on the horse. <laughs> and I was like, right, here we go. 100 <laughs> people watching me. And the horse just turned around and like just didn't follow anything. It was just wandering around. Uh, and then I did the course with everyone watching and, and did the jump. And I've got a rosette at home for clearing it. Were you awful or were you fine? Uh, I was fine. Yeah. The eight-year-old girl didn't get a rosette <gasps> because she didn't clear the course, oh, mate. Oh, no. Yeah, embarrassing, actually. Were you, how, how long did you laugh in her face for? Just having <laughs> I, still, I still pop around every Sunday and give it a, <laughs> have a quick chuckle with the rosette on. <laughs> so were you like, you know, in the Winter Olympics this year where that American lady decided to... Are you saying, have I considered the Grand National this year? <laughs> No, because she, she, yeah. she skied for like some European country that weren't going to enter otherwise. Yeah, she, she found a loophole. She basically realised that if she turned up to every event for Hungary yeah. and didn't fall over, she would qualify for the Winter Olympics. And she turned <laughs> up and it was absolutely amazing. But the best, because the thing that I think is so funny, she's not awful. Like, that's what's, yeah, that's so, what's great about it. Yeah, she's yeah, yeah. so mediocre. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I lo- absolutely love it. Would you, you would you like one from Ollie? Oh, yeah, we're doing a film podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, not just please. Joel reminisces. Oh, <laughs> Annoy a Nation, a Michael Moore making of Doc about a dazzling epic colour blast of a sci-fi extravaganza. But in just one country, it's projected onto 32-inch screens with tinny speakers. It's very dense. That's, there's a lot going on there that we need to unpick. Yeah. So, Michael Moore set out... Is it Michael Moore? Yeah. He set out to annoy a nation. Yeah, so it's, it's Annihilation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Michael Moore, uh, Michael Moore set out to annoy a nation. Yeah, which uh, the thing that I find interesting about that is you've got what like two hundred other countries where they'll just be watching it totally normally, going, "Why is it called annoying? Yeah. What? What? <laughs> but then, no, but then Michael Moore would make a documentary about annoying a nation in Bulgaria. Here's how it looks. Yeah, exactly. Bulgaria. <laughs> 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 what? Why Bulgaria? Uh, just thought easily wound up, aren't they, the Bulgarians? <laughs> 
I just thought like it if wasn't. There's a, anything they hate is bad sound quality. I felt like they were. Why they love this podcast? Yeah, I thought they'd they'd take it on the chin. Yeah. Yeah, I just feel like they. You know the Bulgarians. They're, well, then it's not annihilation, is it? All right, Denmark. Oh, they get wound up by it. <laughs> yeah, <I'd> be livid. <laughs> no, be, the Danish uh, would hate oh. it, mate. They'd hate it. Absolutely hate it. I like it. Michael Moore, he's all right, isn't he? Yeah. He's, uh, I would say his documentary career peaked many years ago. And it's been Fahrenheit on, and, 9-11. And it's been on a steady decline ever since. But, you know, hats off to you, mate. Little mm. badly fitted baseball cap off to you. Have you seen Annihilation? No. Have you? Yeah. Is it really good? Yeah. People think it's really good. Yeah. Why? <laughs> um, so Netflix necessarily isn't necessarily the home for shit sci-fi films that didn't get picked up elsewhere. Ooh. Mute, I'm looking at you. The Cloverfield Paradox. I'm looking at you at the same time. I've got eyes like a chameleon. So, mute. Well, oh, I've, there's, there's a really dense conversation to be had that definitely not in this podcast. But actually, Netflix originals come into loads of categories. So there, there are true Netflix originals, which I believe yeah. Mute is one of, which mm-hmm. is produced by Netflix, paid by Netflix, for Netflix. Okay. But then you get stuff like Annihilation, which is actually, I believe... Uh, apologies if I'm wrong I think it was made by Paramount and it's released in cinemas in America mm. it just happens to be on that paid for by Netflix to be distributed in the other countries first okay and it's the same with like TV shows like you know stuff like people like Riverdale that that's, pretends to be a Netflix original in the UK but actually in the States it's on a, one of their big channels isn't it confusing yeah and John how, tell me how you keep up with the Netflix original output oh well no one's doing it so I've started my own blog <laughs> Every time, <laughs> is it a true original? That's that's the question. <laughs> every time I log in, mate, there's something new there. Oh, oh, I can't handle just it. generally. Have they employed Netflix? every single person in the world that's yeah. interested in TV and film? Yeah, well, they're missing out too. That's what I'm trying to get at. <laughs> <laughs> what if you filmed this? Mm. Do you think I'd, anyone would? We need a cr- minimum crew of twenty people. Yeah, yeah. People don't realise how much actually goes into this. Yeah, I mean, the minutiae of my facial expressions would need at least four cameras. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all attached to your face. Yeah, you know in The Matrix when they do bullet time and it goes yeah. right. We need, for when we've said something really funny, we need the cameras just to sweep round yeah. in oh, I'd like, slow I'd like the whole thing in bullet time. <laughs> That'd be so strange. You'd feel sick. It'd be like, feel like on a roller coaster running round us <laughs> as we spoke. Yeah. Oh, filth. Well, thank you very much, Ollie, for annihilation. Yeah, well done, Ollie. I think we really spoke at length about that. What about this one from Stu? Kite Club. Oh, they meet... Hang on. There's no wind in a car park, so where would they meet up? Fields. The top of a car park. Yeah. It's on top of the car park where Fight Club's happening. Ah-ha! <laughs> so, the problem with Fight... Uh, mate, sometimes, you know, the whole thing is just plot themselves out. The problem with Fight Club is, right? Yeah. Um, if you've got kids at home and you're a single parent, you can't go along. <laughs> that's what. That's what's really been prohibitive with Fight Club. Yeah, it's yeah, actually, yeah. It's actually quite a barrier for entry. Mm. You know, if you're a single man who wants to scrap in a car park... By all means, head on down. Head on down and get your face pummeled in. Yeah. But if you've got kids at home that need feeding, mm. they need entertaining, they need, you know, some sort of care there in the evening, you can't go to Fight Club. So mm. what you do, you take your kids along, you pop them in the lift, you say, you head on up to the roof, and they can just fly a kite up there all the while. Their dad's downstairs being beaten to within an inch of his life. Well, because the weird thing was they actually did start off by doing Family Fight Club, but they realised it was too brutal. It was way too brutal. Kids, kids <laughs> prefer kites to fights. And that's, all, that's part of our campaign to make gangs less cool, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Replacing knives the... with kites. That's what we're, we're, it's a big outreach <laughs> amnesty thing we're doing at the moment. Is there a, a protagonist child who's set up on that lift and has the whole, spoilers, uh, 
two personalities thing going on. Yes. Okay, cool. <laughs> and it's shown by there being two sides to the kite. One's like black One. and metal and the other's like... F- metal and black. <laughs> and that's their two sides of their personality. <laughs> and people... A metal kite. <laughs> yeah. That's how good he is at kiting. It's amazing, yeah. Uh, I like that. And the, the people go... Well, as, because we don't want it too obvious. So... <laughs> It's only at the end someone goes, oh, but you know, did you notice one's metal and black and the other's black and metal? And then the whole audience goes, fuck, oh, I mate, didn't notice. This is like the end of Fight Club. So subtle. <laughs> That's great. Thanks, That's a bit Stu. of fun, isn't it? Well done, Stu. What about, I really like this one from Jamila. A violent martial arts film about a gang making their way up a tower block invested by giant insects. The Raid. Oh, because Raid kills insects? Yeah. Oh, that, but you wouldn't need to do Kung Fu if you were armed with Raid. <laughs> Would you? It'd be quite a short film. <laughs> It'd be rubbish. <laughs> Halfway through, they run out. Do you know what it'd be like? It'd be like that bit in Indiana Jones where um, I'm imagining that the insects do the kung fu. By the way, <laughs> so you know there's that bit in Indiana Jones, Red is the Lost Ark, yeah, where uh, he's in the square in Cairo, uh, and the guy, there's a guy, Egyptian guy with a sword. He does all that fancy sword play. Indiana Jones pulls out his pistol, shoots him. Yeah. Well, so imagine if you will, a kung fu giant ant does loads of kung fu at someone mm. in a tower block and they just pull out a can of raid Psh, dead do you know the like the fact behind that, that gun he had, scene right he had the shits he, right? he had diarrhea yeah yeah that's yeah. fun just a bit of fun yeah yeah it's really great fun I, I think mo- I, I've heard most great visual gags in cinema are based on the fact that the protagonist had the shits on the day of filming <laughs> it's just a fact yeah, Buster Eddie- Keaton and Charlie Chaplin oh, were mate, constantly uh, yeah, IBS, the fame said IBS <laughs> There you go. That was uh, The Raid. That's good. Jane has suggested... Now, I don't really know how to pronounce this to make it work. <laughs> okay. But written down. It's fucking brilliant. Oh, I love one of these. Close Le- your eyes, Le- listener. Les Dennis Miserables. So it's Les Dennis Miserables. Yeah. It's difficult. There's yeah. no way to say it. Because if you say Le Dennis Miserables, and you're pronouncing both words correctly, mm. the Dennis is weird. But if you say Les Dennis Miserables, what's happening there? Yeah. There's a lot going on. Or do you just say Les Dennis Miserables? For the international listener, Les Dennis was Les Miserables a- is a big famous <laughs> musical. <laughs> Les Dennis was a TV host and comedian from... A comedian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a, a TV personality from the 90s. And 80s. And 80s. But not now. And early noughties, maybe. Less so now. Yeah. He's in an excellent episode of Extras, the Ricky Gervais sitcom. He is. I haven't seen Les Miserables. Okay, I think it's f- about a French port. Yeah. And sadness. I mean, this episode, I'm really going to have to hand in my French card. I'm going to be more? knocking at the door. One day more. Is that a famous thing from Les Miserables? Yeah, well, uh, I dreamed a dream. In times on high. That one? Yeah. So Susan Boyle sung it, and then someone thought, oh, let's turn this into a musical. Yeah, the mm-hmm. Les Miserables was written. Was born. <laughs> um, so Les Dennis ends up in a 19th century French port. Yeah, and time machine. <laughs> the Les Dennis time machine. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. the premise for this. Yeah. Okay. Les Dennis revisits great works of fiction. <laughs> and then machine. we come back to the present day, and there's this Les Dennis figure in all of the great works of fiction. <gasps> yeah. Because uh, obviously every single bit of fiction is written about <laughs> someone's direct experience. So Les Dennis infiltrates the direct experience and becomes part of it. Up until, uh, so he visits everything. Like mm. He visits every single major work of fiction based yeah. on like a setting. And then the climax is he visits the past comes back and he's at the last supper <laughs> and there's like the book of les in the bible <laughs> and les dennis becomes what's happened is les dennis's career has gone down the pot right yeah gone to pot gone down the pan 
and he's like, well, there's nothing I can do now to get it back, but this time machine I've had lying around for ages, I could use this and infiltrate every major cultural work and become, and then in the future become the most important cultural figure of all time. So is he, is he Jesus of the past or is he now in the modern day? No, what, what's fascinating about him is he's never the main character. He's always like the sidekick. Oh. Yeah. So at the, 12, at the Last Supper... He picked Judas, though, embarrassingly, so look, people don't like him Everyone much. makes a misstep in their career. <laughs> Just ask Les. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's that. Yeah. Uh, that, that's Le Dennis Miserable. Yeah. We managed to we managed to avoid the whole fact we don't know what happens in Le Miserable pretty we, smoothly. Yeah, we, we did that pretty no well. one noticed. No one listening noticed. Absolutely not. What have you got, John? What about this one from Grace... They've sent in a screenshot of uh, a BBC News article that says, Am I okay with my son oinking in Swedish? That's uh, not a film idea, John. <laughs> no, and then they've just said, horror film. <laughs> 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 so, I guess the premise is... How do you know <laughs> what a Swedish oink sounds like? <laughs> well, I've Googled it. It's nof nof, but on the O's there are the two dots on top, so I presume it's pronounced in some sort of special way. Well, a cow makes that noise. No, a, a pig. It's an oink. Uh, yeah, cows <laughs> moo. Yeah. I forgot. But oh, by pigs the way, don't oink. Well, they sort of oink. But you're not telling me in Sweden they're going nof 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 nof. Yeah, kind of. Do. It's like in a French. Uh, French don't meow. It's like it's like a word that begins with an O, and I can't think what it is. And in f- dogs don't uh, woof or bark. They uh, what do they do? You've forgotten how to be French in this episode. Yeah, I really. It's have. really weird. Embarrassing. Yeah, you've forgotten everything about French culture. So have a sabbatical, mate. Yeah, all right. Head out there and relearn what's available in patisseries and what what sounds the farm animals of France make. So anyway, there's a baby oinking in Swedish. I'm actually going to France in a couple of weeks, so what I'll do is I'll report back to everyone on my findings good, and hopefully good. I'll be French again. Yeah, so there's, <laughs> there's a, so they take a baby who doesn't know how to say anything. He's like at the point where he hasn't said his first words. Great. So they take him to the, the farmyard. The farmyard. You know the farmyard. Which one? Uh, just the, the main one. Oh, yeah. The big one. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they point to the pigs and he goes... Nuff, nuff. <laughs> <laughs> and that what? And that sort of signals that he's like the omen or something? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. And he's he's some sort of Swedish devil. <laughs> Good. <laughs> what would a Swedish devil do? I don't... Just... Uh, remove parts from flat pack furniture when, and then when you go to build them, you can't mm, fully assemble it. Yeah. Mm. No, and they, they, no, they do it in such a way as it looks like you're like, that's fine. It's just a little bit. It's not going to Yeah, be. and then you put it you up. You build the bookshelf. You it, put the books on yeah. it. It falls on someone. They die. <laughs> <laughs> it's mostly flat bat based. Yeah. Like a deck chair eats someone. Yeah, and f- like fish based as well. Yeah, raw herring, herring and yeah. meatballs. And just stereotyping. That's fine. Abba. Yeah, more, more of that stuff. What it, is it because they switched their child with uh, uh, the, like a devil baby that just happened to be Swedish in the the hospital yeah and nice. so the family the swedish family go back to sweden with a british baby and there can be some lovely racial p- poking about the brits yeah in sweden so right, he's yeah. drinking t- that baby's drinking tea yeah uh really excited about the prospect of cricket you know it's fine yeah nice here's my question i was thinking about based on grace's uh suggestion mm-hmm. is dr doolittle he can speak yeah. to the animals yeah yeah 
Well, can you speak to foreign animals? Do animals have languages? Yeah, they do, don't they? They have accents. So you would... So like a uh, Dr. Doolittle would go to France and they would all speak French. Yeah. And so he wouldn't so understand He'd have to speak them. languages as well, yeah. I, I would say it was not beyond him, though. He's a talented guy. <laughs> Which one? The Eddie Murphy doctor to do this or? I mean, regardless, yeah, the, the, he's a the, doctor. The, the definitive. Yeah, yeah. The one that everyone thinks of. Well, that, Eddie he, Murphy would probably just play a French version of himself, though, and then he could speak to them. <laughs> Wait, the sequel... Eddie is, Murphy would dress as someone from every nation in the world and then get into character as, like, a French version of himself, you know, with a hilarious moustache and a beret, and then he'd be able to speak French to the animals. So our family in this film... Mm. Uh, worried about this kid's uh, Swedish animal noises. Mm-hmm. So they take him to Eddie Murphy. Swedish Eddie Murphy. Swedish Eddie Murphy. Yeah. Played is, by Eddie Murphy. Yeah, yeah. blonde wig. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and he he talks to the baby. He yodels but, to the baby. He yodels to the baby because yeah. the baby can speak Swedish animal and yeah. he can speak Swedish animal. And that's when he realises it's the devil. <laughs> and then an exorcist played by Eddie Murphy enters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then... But before they they find out that the babies have been switched, so they bring back the monocle wearing tweed wearing British baby British Eddie Murphy. Man. <laughs> yeah, the British yeah. Eddie Murphy brings the British. You know what, Grace? I thought we really were in trouble with this one, but I think we pulled it out of the bag. So you should be thankful. You're welcome, Grace. Should we have ours? Let's have ours, John. Would you like my idea, the definitive idea of this episode? Yep. It's this one was suggested by me. Um, <laughs> I've heard of him. It's the Freaky Friday Night Project. Yeah. Alan Carr, Justin Lee Collins, Body Swap. The episode is a bit obsessed with British TV presenters. You brought you brought from from the depths of the internet Les Les Miserable Dennis, whatever yeah. it was. Now you bring in with Justin Lee Collins and Alan Carr, comedians, TV presenters. Yeah, well, I don't know what's got into me, um, but yeah. So JLC, yeah, as his fans call him, yeah, he wakes up in Alan Carr's body. In Alan Carr's body. And vice versa. <laughs> uh, and I reckon hilarity ensues. I don't know if it's happening. It's happening at peak fame. Um, no, today. It's happening today. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. That's quite sad. Yeah. The funny... F- Do you know what, Joel? I don't want to I, I don't check this, but I wouldn't be surprised if during the transmission of the Friday Night Project they did a skit based on... <laughs> On that pun. Freaky Friday Night Project. They yeah. almost certainly did. Didn't I they? mean, that feels yeah. like very much in their wheelhouse. Yeah, but no one will remember it now. No. Will they? I think people barely remember the Friday Night Project <laughs> show. I always wonder this about stuff like this. Was that anyone's favourite TV show? Like, is there someone on planet Earth who regards the Friday Night Project as the pinnacle of television? Mate, probably. Anyway, so what happens is Alan Carr wakes up as Justin Lee Collins. Justin Lee Collins has been given a last chance at redemption. Yeah. It's in the future. He's got to bring back the cast of Stranger Things. They're all really nice. old now. Okay. Um, Justin Lee Collins is 70 years old. Okay. And this is his final, last-ditch attempt at a TV show. And you know how TV is cyclical and things come back around? Mm. They said, remember those shows where Justin Lee Collins brought back the cast of something? Let's bring them back. Let's bring them back. Yeah. But little do they know that it's Alan Carr oh. in Justin Lee Collins' body. Uh, so uh, Alan Carr has to pretend to be Justin Lee Collins. By process of elimination, I've also deciphered that Alan Carr was, is also 70-ish. Yeah. He hasn't stopped ageing. No, 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 no. Yeah. Okay, um, and so now Justin Lee Collins is living Alan Carr's 70-year-old life. Yep, big O2 show that night. No, do you know what? I, what what's happened is, so I, this Free Friday project is when they're 70, but actually what we get is a lovely story about how, you know, 
Alan's having his highs right now. Justin, you know, some would argue is currently, you know, you know, less well known. But through the course of their career, there's been lots of highs and lows, and actually now they nice. live in a retirement home together. Ah, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. That is beautiful. Ah, oh, we made it nice. Well done, John. Give me your idea. Uh, right. So I have like a notes thing on my phone. Well, it's actually a Google Doc, like ready on on the front page of my phone, ready for whenever <laughs> inspiration strikes. Great. Uh, and I haven't effect- I haven't touched this one since I wrote it down in a haze. <laughs> All I've written is vampires, but the vampires are doctors and they're scared of apples. Because right. an apple attack uh, keeps the doctor, doctor away. away. Okay, so instead of garlic, yeah. yeah, it's apples. And instead of, and I mean, vampires being doctors makes perfect sense because of the readily available blood. Yeah, and I mean they've done they've they've kind of done this in uh, Scrubs, but it was Doctor Acula. So let's not try. I don't think they had the fear of apples element. So Doctor Acula. Doctor Acula is what they could. Yeah, that's quite good. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think they had the fear of apples bit. I've really ramped it up a level there. With yeah, the fear I feel of like the Scrubs thing. writers wouldn't have bothered with that. No, no, because they <laughs> Cause have... it makes no sense. But it does, like... Oh, because being afraid of garlic makes sense. Apart from the fact it thins the blood. Yeah. Is that why they're afraid Maybe, of garlic? Yeah, it's like a diet drink then. Um, they don't like it. Yeah. They have to drink twice as much to get it's full like Sugar-free. Up. Yeah, exactly. Sugar-free blood. Um, okay, so what, 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 what is the plot of this film? John... <laughs> Thanks for asking, Joe. <laughs> uh, the plot is that when you... Because you have to do, like... So you have to eat an apple every day to keep vampires, vampires away, away. And somebody forgets to eat their apple. Yeah. Or there aren't any apples in the shop. Or or alternatively, it's told from the perspective of an one apple? of the vampire oh, doctors. Okay. <laughs> right, yeah. really, Joe really is gunning for films told from the perspective of inanimate objects. One day. It's the future. It's the future. One day. Play by, all played by Andy Serkis. Oh, he's amazing, that guy. Just what a guy. Right, so when you get... Because you have to do like four years of study and then three years as like a on placement. And then at the yeah, end, yeah. there's a... As a to a, be a vampire. <laughs> to be a doctor. Okay. And at the end, there's a ritual where you become like a doctor, but also become a vampire. Also become a vampire. Great. Yeah. Nice. And yeah, I think there is an element of the way that you kind of... Uh, maybe our lead character is just a normal guy who forgot to eat his apple that day and he's running around being chased by vampires in the evening because vampires are afraid of light. So he's running around in the evening, but then at the end, uh, one of them goes for his neck and then he like melts and it turns out that he had had an apple. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, thanks for listening. <laughs> note, oh, dear. note to self, flesh out ideas Never speak more. again. <laughs> Right, that's all we have time for on this episode of The Dream Factory. And we know that because there is a knock, knock, knock at the studio door. And entering the studio is an artistic horse called Andy Warhorse. Uh, and it, that horse has got to come in and paint the walls because they are filthy. That's it. Thank you very much, John. Thank you. Bye. Uh, apologies if you can hear a slight whirring in the background during the post round which is that the studio we're in is I would say arctic temperatures um, and so we've turned on a little fan heater to warm our feet it's Sunday so if you're listening to this on the day of release we're recording two days ago yeah uh, and overnight it snowed again in London I can't believe it snowed again I'm so again. confused it snowed again and I, th- I thought we were through it John I thought London didn't get snow it's had it twice I'm confused mate 
I don't like it. I don't like it either. I wish the warm weather would appear. Spring, you know, I want to have literal spring in my step. I want to walk to the train station. I don't want to be buffeted by the wind. Yeah. I feel like my face is eroding like a like a cliff's edge. Yeah, that's nothing wind. to do with whatever. That's just my old age. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's, that's a just crazy the ravages lifestyle you live, yeah. um, John. Hello. Uh, I went to Japan last year. Yes. Uh, anyone who knows me will know that because I talk about it all the time. Mm. Um, it was really great. You bought some t-shirts. I remember that. I bought a lot of t-shirts. Um, I ate a lot of ramen. I got down tonight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a really great place. That's the second verse, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, when I was out there, uh, this is like a lesser known thing. I didn't talk about it too much. I got absolutely <laughs> obsessed with a soft drink they have out there yeah. called Pakari Sweat. Pakari Sweat? Yeah. The sweat of a Pakari? <laughs> yeah. I the, don't know what a Pakari it's a, is. a tiny animal that uh, you can yeah. only find in Japanese forests. <laughs> yeah, yeah, It yeah. secretes a delicious sweat. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Um, I got absolutely obsessed with it. I think think about it sort of every day i think about it whenever i have any other drink that isn't pakari sweat what like what inspired you to to invest like i just like you know new cultures mate and but you kind of just what you were looking in the fridge section and thought yeah that one yeah you just picked it at random yeah oh fair play i'm a brave guy yeah i make brave rash decisions all the time i just thought you'd like see it and think the word sweat is off-putting yeah i feel like most people would think that but that's what that's what lured me in. Okay. I thought, how delicious must that drink be that is confident enough to put the word <laughs> sweat on the label? Yeah, okay, fine. Like, you wouldn't drink a Fanta Fruit Sweat, would you? <laughs> fruit Sweat? I got the Fruit Sweats. I got the Fruit Sweats. I like a Coca-Cola much. Sweaty Edition. Mm. Coca-Cola B.O. You yeah. wouldn't drink it, Ugh. would you? Anyway, John. Yeah, The other day, is. in London town, yeah. I went into a shop. A shop that specialises in Japanese culture. Hello. And I picked up a bottle of sweet, sweet Pakari sweat. Yeah. It's been refrigerated overnight. It cost me three pounds. Whoa. <laughs> Bear in mind it was retailing at about 70p in Japan. Yeah. We're talking 500 mils, by the way. We're not talking a big family bottle. We're talking a little bottle. A little hit of Pakari sweat. Mm. And because I'm so generous, and despite the fact I haven't had this in almost a year, yeah. I thought I'd share some with you. Ah. And you could have a taste of um, some Japanese sweat. I'm very excited. Open up. Okay. There we go. Oh, That's it's, a a, it's a still soft drink. It's got like a... It looks like lemon squash, right? Yeah, it's got like a... S- Just pouring some into a glass for John, because I'm quite ill, and he probably doesn't want to share a, share a, uh, share a bottle with me. That's more than enough, I'm there sure. There you go, mate. Uh, so John's now holding that to his lips. So it's like this, a slightly chalky water. This say. reminds me um, of the time that I gave John Angel Delight for the first time. Yeah, except Angel Delight's like a British traditional I'm int- thing. I've introduced you to many things. Yeah, because... Go on, have, have a little sip. I'm going to have a sip at the same time to prove to you it's not. Is that how you remember it, Joel? Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. It's amazing. It's like nothing else in the world. It's got like an almost salty... Yeah. Oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. There's a salty quality that you just don't get in other soft drinks. Yeah. It's fascinating. <laughs> I think it, it was exceptionally good for hangovers when I was in Japan. I can imagine that. It's, I, don't know what, I don't know what's happening in there, mate, but I love it. I absolutely love it. I was about to say, it tastes like it could be somewhere within the, uh, the flat Lucasade world. I've also got a cup of tea on the go because we're in the Arctic tundra, so this is a real, real combo. Um, would you like to hear the little paragraph that's been translated on the front of this bottle? Yes. yes. Pakari Sweat 
is a drink which supplies water and electrolytes lost through perspiration. Pakari sweat is quickly absorbed into the body tissues due to its fine osmolality and contains electrolytes for replenishing bodily fluids. Pakari sweat is thus highly recommended as a beverage for such activities as sports, physical labour, after a hot bath... <laughs> Mm. <laughs> that's important <laughs> yeah and even as an eye opener in the morning ah there you go I lo- uh, mate I always I normally have a Lucozade after a hot bath but it's good to have an <laughs> alternative um, and that's it mate Picari sweat so um, I would love you know how like there's been recent scandal with Pierce Brosnan face fronting some tobacco company in India mm. I'd love to be like the face of Picari sweat I'd love for this podcast to get big enough that I could be on billboards in Japan as the face of Picari sweat I look forward to it. Uh, come along to the Dream Factory Live night uh, at the end of the year, maybe, and we'll uh, we'll have it on tap. Oh, <laughs> we'll have barrels I'll of spend Picari three sweat. Grand <laughs> getting enough Picari sweat in for the audience. <laughs> Ten people. The problem is, like you say, it's got a salty aftertaste and it's got the word sweat in the title. I'm not happy about that. Delicious. Well, you've downed it though, mate. And look at you. Look how open your eyes are. Send the guys a movie idea. Tell your friends that you like the show Follow us on social media Then you'll be the best listener